The last many weeks have been preparing us, uh, leading us into the end of the church here. And so we've heard a lot from 1 Thessalonians, from Corinthians, about the end of the world uh, and what the return of our Savior will mean, both good and bad. Last week, Pastor Ben talked to us about uh, that we don't have to be afraid of that day, of not knowing the hour or when, because we know who's coming. Ezekiel gives us a great picture today of what that's going to look like when Jesus does come. Bow your heads with me, if you will, for just a moment. Heavenly Father, open our hearts and our minds. Give us ears to hear this day that which you would speak to us from your word. And like your word says in James, let us not only hear it and so deceive ourselves, but help us to do what it says. In his name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel 34 is a beautiful passage. It's a beautiful imagery. It's right up there with Psalm 23, where God depicts himself as the good shepherd, coming and doing these shepherd-like things, very tender and nurturing. So, so beautiful. But when we zoom out in preparing for today's message, looking at the context, what's around this, the setting, even Ezekiel 33, the, the context is not as beautiful. It's not as loving. It's not as caring. The context of Ezekiel 34, and it's important to note, is talking all about God's shepherds, the religious leaders, those that God has called to care for his people who have abused them, who have left them, have scattered them, have injured them, have deserted them. This is the backdrop or the opening for these verses. That's why you hear in the beginning this strong emphasis right up front when God says, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. And he goes on to say, I'm going to come and do what nobody else did, what they should have done, what I called them to do, what they didn't do. I'm going to clean up their mess. And so we have this powerful imagery of God himself as the shepherd. The reason that this is important to me is because I was at the oil change place this week. I was getting my oil changed, and I'm sitting in the little waiting room, and there's one other person ahead of me, so there's another gentleman there as well. The guys are on the other side of the glass doing their thing in the garage. And we got to talking and chatting. And as often happens, you know, we do the small talk, what do you do, and what do you do? And I told him what I do, and inevitably, uh, it invokes a similar response. But this guy went on to volunteer that, Well, I don't go to church anymore because I didn't ask. I wasn't judging, but uh, he wanted to tell me and and I listened. You know, I listened earnestly because I wanted to hear why. Uh, And what he described wasn't the case of, well, the church is putting these boundaries up and these rules on my life and I don't agree with those, so I'm running away. That's not what it was. What I heard as I listened was somebody who was let down, was hurt by their pastor and just said, I can't do this anymore. And so they don't go. 
And it just broke my heart. It broke my heart. Similarly, if I'm at a wedding, if I'm officiating, I'll don the uniform, and that will serve two purposes usually. One is when I'm wearing my collar, uh, it lets people know very clearly, uh, if they don't know me, if they're friends and relatives, that one, it's okay that I'm telling them what to do and that they can listen as we line up for the wedding and the different pieces of it. Uh, But aside from that, the negative part of it is almost every time it's going to make somebody there uncomfortable. That they don't know how to act or what to say. But then we get to drinking later at the party, you know, and at the reception. And then people loosen up a little bit. And then they'll volunteer. Uh, And they'll often say a similar thing. Well, I don't go to church anymore because... And not in every case is it the same story. But in many cases, the story is there's hurt there. There's disappointment. They've been let down by the church somehow. Even our own church, we don't have a perfect track record. Uh, Early in the 80s, there was a split here because of failures on the part of the pastor, as I understand it. And it led to another church up the road even. And by the grace of God, thanks be to God that we've reconciled and we're now one again. We're whole. I recognize that many of you have come from, if you didn't start at St. Luke, you've come from another church. Some of that is because you moved or you relocated. But others, it's because you left another church to come here or another church body. And there's all different reasons for that. I thought, as I read this text, as I read the message for us this day, and the problems that are there, and the problems that are here in our world today, right now, it would be so nice if there was one Sunday a year where we could all just be vulnerable and honest and just acknowledge the imperfection in our world, the sinfulness in our world, even amongst our leaders, that we too at times let you down or offend you or hurt you in ways that maybe we don't even intend to. That you've come from places where you've been hurt or offended or abandoned or disregarded. That others in our world still are deeply hurting from things that have been done in the past that maybe have never been acknowledged. So I'd like to, just for a moment, and if I haven't offended you yet, I've only been here a couple years, give me some time. Because I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect. And if you haven't been with a pastor here, undoubtedly somewhere else, you've been rubbed the wrong way somewhere along the line. It's almost inevitable. And it's not to excuse that or to downplay that, but I just want to recognize and acknowledge that right now. And so as someone in official capacity, if you've never heard it spoken to you before, ever, maybe, as someone who's representing all of the clergy in this moment, I would like to just apologize to you. Apologize and just say, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that either I or we have let you down somewhere along the way or that that happened to you, even if it was years ago. And I think we can say that. I think we can do that. That I can speak to those watching online and maybe those that aren't even in the pews with us anymore because of something that happened. They've already left. And say, I'm sorry. And acknowledge that. Acknowledge the brokenness that God's word shows before us this day. But not only that. When I was at the, <clears throat> the weddings recently, it does two things when I'm wearing my uniform. One, it directs me and other people to who's in charge and what we should look at. The other is it makes us uncomfortable uh, and it brings up these challenging conversations. If Ezekiel today brings up these challenging conversations, it gives us a platform to say, we shouldn't just say we should ask for forgiveness and we should repent. But even as a church, officially, we can say, I'm sorry. And we can ask for your forgiveness. It also points us to something, to someone greater, to where we should go. In verse 16 of Ezekiel 34, Jesus says, I, I myself will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. That's comforting to me as a pastor because it says even when I fail, Jesus himself is going to come back and go after those that I may have no other opportunity to engage with. And he's going to bring them back. Or that have left before I even got here. He's going to go after them too. He himself, God is not okay with just most of the flock being here. That he's going to seek out the lost still. Also says he's going to seek out the injured. And he's going to bind them up. This shepherd analogy of finding that lamb with the hurt limb. And binding them up and carrying them back. And so for you too, even if you've been hurt at any point, Jesus is coming and his return doesn't just mean the end of the world and catastrophe and, and big bad explosions. Yes, that's part of it. But he's also coming to bind you up. He's coming to heal your hurts and to carry you. He's coming to strengthen the weak. Ezekiel 34 gives us this imagery. It shapes our hopes. It paints our expectations for not just an almighty king, but a shepherd king. It shows us and points us that Jesus is the one you've been looking for, been waiting for. He's so much better than any earthly king or shepherd that there's just no one we can even compare him with. There's no one that can stand up to him. To measure up. And he's never going to let us down. He's never going to have any imperfections. He's never going to hurt us. And he's going to heal those fractured relationships. You and I believe in a God who's not going to abandon the people that his pastors have offended. He's going to bring them back. That's what it means not just to have a a king who is in charge, but a shepherd who cares. 
Ezekiel paints this picture that's so beautiful, so tender, that I just can't wait for him to return. I know who's coming, but now I even know what he's going to do when he gets here. And it makes me long for it all the more. And that's what we celebrate this day. As we begin to get ready to flip the page in the church calendar year and go into Advent, that we would not just re-celebrate Jesus' birth again, which is part of it, but it's still pointing us forward. It's still looking and longing and waiting for his second return. And that's what Christ the King Sunday is supposed to do. It's supposed to get us excited and get us to long for the ultimate fulfillment. We have freedom in Christ right now, but we still acknowledge that this world is broken and there's still the effects of sin that have yet to be healed. And man, I can't wait for that day. And I hope you can't either. Bow your heads and pray with me, if you will. Lord Jesus Christ, our, our King, but our Shepherd King. Oh, come quickly. I know a lot of us got our lights up already and we're, we're getting ready, but if you come back tomorrow and we don't even get to celebrate Christmas again another year, I'm okay with that. Come. Come back. Seek the lost. Bind up the hurt. Heal us. We can't await an eternity of perfection with you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.